1 Samuel chapter 3, and this morning is the Agony of Victory, part 7. That is to say, we're talking about prayer again, amen? The cloud is not moved, we're still here. I like the amen I got from over there. Everybody give me a new amen. All right, that's a little better. We're talking about prayer this morning, the Agony of Victory, part 7. And this morning's topic is a difficult one. It's hard to articulate. Uh, it's, it's somewhat mysterious. There, there's sort of a mystical aspect to it, and yet there are some very clear guidelines in the Word of God how we ought to approach it. And what we're talking about this morning is listening to the Lord in prayer. Listening to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask the Lord to bless our Bible study. Father, thank you for the opportunity this morning to open up your Word and to hear from you. And Lord, we would all agree together in prayer right now that that's what we want. We want to hear from you, Lord. We want to hear from the living God. We ask that your spirit would come and teach us and instruct us and train us, Lord. Lord, we don't don't want to hear from a man. And so I ask that you would author my thoughts. And then every word that falls from these lips would be directly from your throne. That there be none of me and all of you now, Lord. We want to hear from you, Jesus. You alone have the words of life. Train us this morning as your disciples. Teach us to listen to you. Teach us to discern your voice and make us obedient, Lord, when you speak. We just ask your blessing upon this Bible study now. In Jesus' name, amen. Learned an interesting fact this week, and that is that for some of us, we spend up to 53% of our time listening. 53% of our waking hours listening. That's incredible. Only 16% of our waking hours are spent speaking. Now, for some of you, it's flip-flop, I understand. But for the general population, 53% of our waking hours are spent listening, 16% speaking. Now, Scripture seems to confirm that this is a good thing and a right thing because we read in James chapter 1, verse 19, that we are to be quick to listen and slow to speak. The Bible says that we are to be quick to listen and slow to speak. It's no mistake that God gave you one mouth but two ears. We are to be listening. But when it comes to our prayer lives, I'm afraid that sometimes this principle of being quick to listen and slow to speak is not often practiced in the life of the Christian listening to the Lord. It seems that we do a lot more speaking in prayer oftentimes than we do listening. I'm also afraid that that previous percentage, 53% of our waking hours listening, doesn't always apply to our prayer lives. I think there's a need in the church for us to learn how to listen to the Lord, to see the importance of, to begin to practice, because I believe that much of the victory that we'll experience through prayer comes as we listen to the Lord, as He speaks to us, as He leads us, and He guides us. And I want you guys to be reminded this morning that inherent in the idea of prayer is the concept of a conversation. And a conversation requires that two people are both speaking and listening. And prayer is, in effect, a conversation with God. And so it's not really enough that we would just be speaking in prayer, though that's good and right and we need to do that. But there's got to come a time in our personal prayer lives and in our corporate prayer lives where we would learn to listen to the Lord. I want to remind you of the fact this morning that God wants to speak to you. Jesus said in John 10, 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Jesus stated matter-of-factly that those that are his would hear his voice, and they would follow him. And yet there seems to be a general lack of confidence in many Christians when it comes to hearing from the Lord in prayer. And I just want to say that the problem is not on God's end. The problem with any lack of us experiencing the Lord speaking to us is not on the Lord's end. His uh, transmitter is not, you know, messed up. But so often it's our receiver that needs a little tweaking, a little tuning, a little dialing in for us to hear what the Lord wants to say. I also want to remind us of Psalm 46 verse 10. This is, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Why is that so important for the Christian? Because so often God speaks in this still, small voice. 
In the little voice. Do you remember Elijah when he was up on the mountain to meet with God in 1 Kings chapter 19? And there came a tremendous wind, a wind so powerful it broke the rocks on the mountain. But the Lord was not in the wind. And there came a tremendous earthquake, but it says the Lord was not in the earthquake. And there came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And then came a still, small voice. And that is how the God of the universe chose to speak to Elijah, the prophet, that day. And that is how he often speaks to you and I. That is why that command of be still and know that he is the Lord has got to permeate our lives, and it's got to work out in the fiber and the fabric of our lives. It seems in the fast-paced world in which we live that it's difficult for us to even get our mind around the concept of waiting on the Lord, of concentrating in prayer, of listening in the spiritual realm, of meditating, so to speak. I mean, I, I think we would all agree as, a Christians, as Christians, yeah, we need to do it. It's important. But it's kind of like uh, exercising or wearing your seatbelt. We all know we need to do it, but not many of us do those things. Right? It's just me? Okay. <laughs> but it's necessary that we learn to listen to the Lord. And, and I just think there's a lack of this in the church. In fact, I think there's such a glaring lack of Christians practicing listening to the Lord in prayer that even secular companies have picked up on the fact. What am I talking about? Friday afternoon at my home, I got a very interesting package in the mail. It was a media package from 20th Century Fox Home Entertainment. There were several books in it on prayer, and there was this letter that I brought this morning. And it's a letter about a new DVD that they are releasing. Let me read this to you. This is incredible. It's very interesting. Again, this is from 20th Century Fox Home Entertainment. It says, Dear Ministry Leader, 20th Century Fox Home Entertainment, is pleased to tell you of a new faith-based title releasing on April 4th, 2006, entitled Be Still. Be Still is an interactive film that provides a contemplative look at the history, importance, and power of prayer. It goes on, and then it says, This calming DVD gives viewers the tools to integrate and improve their daily lives and communication with God through the examination of the importance of silence and reflective prayer. Fox continues, and they say, As Christians caught up in a fast-paced, demanding life, many of us too often in our daily prayers provide God with a list of our wants and needs, but don't take the time to listen to what God has to say and the wisdom and the comfort that he can provide each of us every day. Now, that's amazing to me. The 20th Century Fox sent this letter to me And they're releasing this DVD on prayer. But let me just say something to all of us in all humility. I think it is to the shame of the church that 20th Century Fox is doing this. Why? Because the letter was signed by the director of the marketing department. Do you know what that means? Do you have any sense of business? Do you know what that means? It means they're at 20th Century Fox Home Entertainment. They have a marketing department. And this department studies the market that Fox is targeting. And since the release of The Passion of the Christ, it's become very obvious to Hollywood that the evangelical community is a viable market with lots of money that they ought to target. And so they've begun to target evangelical Christianity. Now, a company like Fox does its research. And so they start to look at their target group, evangelical Christians, and they say, what is a product that they need? In other words, where is there a niche or where are they lacking something and we could come in and for money provide a service? And so the marketing department of Fox has looked at the Christian community and said, what are they lacking? They're lacking listening to the Lord in prayer. And so because we want to earn dollars from them, we'll make a DVD about it. Church, it's to our shame. It's to our shame that 20th Century Fox is able to examine evangelical Christianity and make that assessment and make a product to meet where there is an obvious need. There's a need in the Christian life for us to learn to listen to the Lord. Now we're going to look at 1 Samuel, chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. 
And we're going to see here the Lord speaking to a young man. And then we're just going to look at a few points of how he positions himself to hear from the Lord. And then I'm going to share just from my own life, just candidly, openly, and honestly, ways that I listen to the Lord and what's worked in my life. So let's start to read here in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord, mark it, before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and visions were infrequent, mark it. And it happened at that time as Eli was lying down in his place. Now his eyesight had begun to grow dim and he could not see very well. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was, that the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel said, Here I am. Then he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I didn't call you. Go and lie down again. So he went and laid down. Samuel's hearing the voice of the Lord, but he's not able to discern it, and he thinks it's Eli calling him from the other room. Verse 6, And the Lord called again, Samuel. So Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he answered and said, I didn't call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Mark that. Nor had the word of the Lord yet been revealed to him. So the Lord called Samuel again for the third time. How good is the Lord? And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli discerned that the Lord was calling the boy. And Eli said to Samuel, Go and lie down, and it shall be, if the Lord calls you again, that you shall say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Then the Lord came. And stood and called as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for thy servant is listening. Here we see very clearly that the Lord is able to speak to people, that he's willing to speak to people, but sometimes the disconnect is in our receiver, as I said earlier. The Lord is wanting to communicate, but we're not always hearing it or discerning the voice of the Lord. Now, what are some factors that might keep us from listening to the Lord in prayer? Number one, many Christians just don't think that God wants to or is able to speak to them. Be done away with that today. Let that be gone today. It's very clear in Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. The Lord wants to speak to you and He is able to speak to you. Will you please have faith in the Word of God this morning? He wants to speak to you. He is able to speak to you. But another reason why we often don't listen to the Lord in prayer is because we just aren't willing to take the time. We're just not willing to take the time. But it's interesting in Scripture, we we see that the Lord kind of demands our time and our attention. And that's right and good. I mean, don't you believe that? You know, my wife demands my time and my attention, and that's right and good because of the relationship. My children demand my attention, and that's right and good. But how much more the Lord? And so shouldn't there come a time in our lives where we take time, where we take time out to stop and listen and say, Lord, I'm here. Lord, if you want to speak to me, your servant is listening. Anything that you would want to communicate with me. But we've got to do things in our life to slow down, church. You know, sometimes for me, it's as simple as when I get in the car, not turning on the radio. Sometimes it's as simple as going in a room alone and shutting the door and not having any magazines or books or my iPod or my computer or anything else or a guitar, but just me and the Lord. But sometimes we don't hear from Him because we're just not willing to take the time with all the other demands in our life. Other times we're not listening to the Lord in prayer because we just don't know how. And, you know, it, it's, kind of, it's kind of a mystical concept. I mean, there are some clear guidelines in Scripture, and we're going to look at those in just a moment. But it's not really, um, it's not really a science listening to the Lord. It's, it's more of an art. And it's an art that's learned, and it's learned over time. That is, as you walk with the Lord and as you mature in the Lord, He begins to teach you more and more how to discern His voice. And you begin to have a greater desire to hear the voice of the Lord. So sometimes we just don't know how, but hopefully we'll learn a few tools and practice them this week. And fourthly, sometimes we don't position ourselves to hear from the Lord. But Samuel 
in a very wonderful way in our text, positioned himself to hear from the Lord. Now, here's one of the things I do in my life is I pray. Amen? I pray, just like you do. And and many times that involves asking things of the Lord. It should always start with thanks and praise and adoration, as we discussed last week, right? But then there comes that time where we let our requests be made known to God. We remember Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing, but with prayer and petitions, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So I will praise the Lord in prayer, and I'll say, Lord, I need this. Or, Lord, would you do that? Or, Lord, I'm concerned about this. Or, Lord, I'd like to see you work in that area. And I, and I ask him questions, and I lay out things. And so many times, the dynamic of that as a father, as a husband, and as a pastor is, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do in this situation. With regards to the church, Lord, I don't know what to do in this situation. It's beyond me. Well, I don't know how to raise and shepherd my kids right now. Or, Lord, how do I love my wife right now? Lord, what do you want me to do? How would you have me proceed? What would you have me say here? Lord, how would you have me pray for this person? I find myself as a husband, as a father, and as a pastor, continually asking the Lord, what should I do? And then I wait. I mean, that makes perfect sense communicatively, right? You, you ask a question of somebody and then you wait for the response. If you don't, you're kind of a jerk. We know that just in person-to-person communication. And so it is with the Lord. We lay our requests before him and then we ought to wait to hear from him. And that's where the difficulty comes in, is waiting. But I will tell you that I believe the Lord is faithful to speak. There are some hindrances that we'll address in just a moment. But he's faithful to speak. And in my own life, when the Lord speaks to me, it's usually an impression. Can I use that word? This is where things get hard to articulate. And and I, I don't really know how to explain it per se. But the Lord just gives me an impression. That is to say, in my spirit, I know that I know what the Lord is saying. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt what the Lord wants me to do or how the Lord is leading. Usually for me, it's not an audible voice. Though an audible voice from the Lord is both possible and biblical. When Israel was in need of leading, the Lord assured them in Isaiah 30 verse 21 and said, your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way, walk in it. The Lord told them there will come a time where I will speak to you audibly and clear. And when you're wanting to go to the right or the left, you will hear in your ears a voice behind you saying, this is the way. And so it's possible and it's biblical that we would hear an audible voice of the Lord. But in my own life, it's generally an impression. Now the impression is no less viable, uh, no less real, no less valuable, no less potent than an audible voice. I mean, it's the Spirit of God speaking to my spirit. It talks about that in Romans chapter 8. The Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And there's just a sense of, I know. The Holy Spirit wants to do that. Jesus said so. Jesus said in John 16, 13 through 15. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you, into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but he will speak. But whenever he hears, whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. Verse 14, he shall glorify me. There's a good litmus test about whether or not you're hearing from the Spirit of God. It's always going to glorify Jesus Christ. Jesus said so. Amen? He shall glorify me, for he shall take of mine and shall disclose it to you. All the things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Notice what Jesus said. He will take of mine. Now, who is Jesus in John 1.1? He's the Word. Anytime the Spirit of God is speaking to you, it will always glorify Jesus and line up with the Word of God, Jesus himself. It will never be contrary to God's word. If somebody tells you, the Lord told me thus and so, and it is not clearly lining up with the principles in God's word, he is mistaken. That is wrong. That is incorrect. When the Spirit of God speaks to you, it will always line up with the principles. 
and the precepts of the Word of God. And the moment you start to think otherwise, Christian, you are in trouble. You are on a slippery slope. The moment you compromise that and begin to say, well, it's not really in the Word. It's kind of beyond the Word. It's sort of a new thing that's not in the Word. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We can't even handle what's in the Word. Why would you need a new thing? Jesus is the Word. The Holy Spirit would take of His and disclose to us. When the Spirit of God speaks to you, it will be consistent with the Word of God, and it will glorify Jesus Christ as God. Now, we, we want to be careful when we're listening to the Lord and we sense that He's leading us or, or impressing something upon us that it doesn't get mingled with the flesh. You know, the, the fleshly body has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. But we still have to deal with this old dead sin nature until the rapture of the church. We've got to deal with it. And so, you know, we're not saved from the presence of sin yet. We're saved from the power of sin. But saved from the presence of sin is when our salvation is complete in heaven. So for now, we kind of got to deal with this flesh. And sometimes when we're seeking to discern the Lord, somebody could kind of get out ahead of the Lord and in their own feelings, their own wants, their own desires say, the Lord is doing this. But really, it was you hoping that. And we just want to be careful about that. And that's why, again, it's good to search the word and it's good to look for confirmation because whenever it's the Lord speaking, he will confirm it in numerous ways. There will not be a question. When it is the Lord, he will confirm it. I've had the Lord speak to me this way at every critical juncture of my life. When I proposed to my wife, Kate, on that morning that I woke up, I knew that I knew it was God's will for me to propose to her. I knew it beyond a shadow of a doubt. There was not an audible voice. I did not consult flesh and blood, but I had been praying about it for some time and waiting on the Lord and wanting to hear. And I woke up one morning and I just knew. And I went down to George Thompson and I bought the ring and I came home and proposed that afternoon. I just knew. And, you know, it's been confirmed in, in the relationship. It's just very clear. That's what God has done. When then Kate and I were to get involved in ministry and start teaching the surf kids down here at the local beach, tar pits, about Jesus, we just knew from the Lord we were supposed to do that. It was just an indescribable sense of, we have got to do this, we know we're to do this. And then it's been confirmed partially by the fruit. One of our pastors on staff is a kid that used to attend that Bible study more than a decade ago. And then before I started doing the college ministry at Calvary Chapel Santa Barbara that I did for seven years, I knew that they would ask me before they asked me. The Lord just told me, I I can't give you, I can't articulate exactly how that happened, but I knew it. Now, I didn't tell a soul, nobody. I didn't roll into Calvary Chapel and kick in the doors and go, hey, I'm the guy you're looking for. Here I am. Nothing like that. Not by any means. I was afraid. That's another way that you know it's the Lord because it's gnarly. You know what I'm saying? It's like beyond you. It's supernatural. It's intimidating. It's like, whoa. That's another way you know it's the Lord. And when the Lord spoke that to me, you'll be doing the college ministry in Calvary, Santa Barbara. Man, I didn't even go to the college ministry. I didn't even go to church on Sunday when the waves were good. But the Lord called me. And so when one of the pastors walked up to me one day in the parking lot there and said, hey, we'd like you to pray about doing the college ministry, I already knew that was what I was supposed to do. Same thing with the birthing of this church. Kate and I, of course, have been praying about it for some time. But uh, just almost exactly three years ago, we were on vacation at our family cabin that my parents own up in uh, Idaho, Montana border. And we had been praying about, you know, church and carp. And, and we woke up one morning and Kate and I looked at each other and we knew. We just knew. The Spirit of God had just impressed upon us. There was no question, this is what we're supposed to do. And within the next hour, we called our best friends, April and Gerald Torres, Pastor G. And we said, hey man, the Lord is telling us to do this. And they said, praise the Lord, it's confirmation. We'll go with you. And the fruit is, well, it's around you. I mean, that was the Lord. And so, he's able to speak to you. In your daily life, in the small minutia, in your relationships, in little things of obedience, and then in the big junctures of your life, God wants to speak to you. Be alert 
be aware of deception. Not only from your own flesh, but the enemy would love to confuse things. And you know what? God is not a God of confusion. And so when it's the Lord, he'll make it very clear. But just be aware of deception. Don't be afraid of it. But here's what you need to do. You need to handle accurately the word of truth. Jesus said, and Paul said, and it says throughout the Bible, that the last days would be characterized by deception. Hello, we're living in the last days. And so we need to know the word of God more than ever so that we're not led astray, so that we're not deceived, and so that we're able to discern the true voice of God. And so I've asked the Lord, Lord, here's what I need, here's what I'd like you to do, and I'm waiting and I'm listening to the Lord. And the first attribute that we see here with Samuel, and the thing that testifies with my life so much and, and hopefully with yours, is that waiting on the Lord for the answer requires childlike trust and faith. Notice in First uh, Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, that it says Samuel was a boy. He was just a boy. And the Lord chose to speak to this boy. Not necessarily, I don't think, because of age, but I think because of attitude. You understand? Not because of age, but because of attitude. Why would I make such an assertion? Well, because of what Jesus said. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty five. I praise thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou didst hide these things from the wise and intelligent and didst reveal them to the babes, or in other translations, to the childlike. Jesus said that there are certain things that the Father does not reveal to those who in the earthly realm are wise or are intelligent, but rather to those who are childlike in their faith toward God who are as babes. Jesus said again in Matthew 18, 4, whoever humbles himself as this child, and he was holding one when he said it, whoever humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. There is a requirement from the Lord that in our faith we are childlike. Not childish, but childlike. Meaning we just trust the Lord. Just for everything. You know, I've got a little daughter, Daisy Love. She's a year and a half old and she's incredible. And she just trusts daddy like nothing else in the whole world. I mean, when she's hungry, she trusts it. I'm, I'm going to feed her. You know what I mean? And when she's stinky, she trusts that she's going to get a change. And when she's dirty, she trusts that she'll get a bath. And all these different things. And when there's a danger and she's walking into the road, she can trust that her dad will come and grab her. And when I'm holding her, she just trusts me absolutely. I was just holding her out here between services. And I was holding her like this and I was showing her off to some people I hadn't seen in some time because she's incredibly beautiful. And I'm holding her, I'm showing her off and she throws herself backwards. I can't even do it because you know little babies are like jello, but her back just bends in half. And she just throws herself backwards and lays back her head and goes, ah. And she's just having fun there. There's never a thought in her tiny little brain that I might drop her. Not even the slightest thought. I mean, just total, absolute trust in the Father. And so it should be with you and I, Christian, to the Lord. There should just be an absolute trust that He will not drop us. He will not leave us. He will not forsake us. He is faithful. That His character is right and good and true and righteous. He's been faithful to every generation. He's not going to blow His reputation on you and I. The Lord is good. And there needs to be in order to position ourselves to hear from the Lord, there needs to be a childlike faith where we ask a question of the Lord and we simply believe because He's our Father that He will speak to us. It might not happen right away. In fact, usually the Lord has us wait some time for a refining process. But there must be this faith of, Lord, you're going to speak to me. I love seeing young Christians who have not yet been jaded. You know what I mean? They just haven't been jaded. They're just still like untouched and pure. And when you talk to them about the Lord, they go, well, let's ask the Lord. Well, the Lord will do it. Well, we need $500,000. <laughs> let's ask the Lord. No big deal. Hey, man, this guy just broke his leg. Let's ask the Lord to heal him. Hey, this guy's head just, just chopped off. Let's ask the Lord to fix it. I love Christians like that. It's so right. There's nothing silly about that. It is so right. It's a childlike faith that is necessary if we are to position ourselves to hear from the Lord. Now, the second thing that is necessary if we are to position ourselves to hear from the Lord 
is that we are to be rejoicing in his character. Notice here that Samuel was a worshiper. That is to say, it says in verse 1, that he was ministering to the Lord. We're told that several times about Samuel in the opening chapters of the book. In chapter 1, verse 28, he was ministering to the Lord. In chapter 2, verses 11 and 18, he was ministering to the Lord. In the context of the Bible, what does it mean to minister to the Lord? It just means to love Him, to praise and to worship Him. Not ministering for the Lord, notice the phraseology, but ministering to the Lord. Just meaning that Samuel was just enjoying God, just loving on Him, receiving His love, just blessing Him, just praising Him, and just worshiping Him. And it is necessary, if we are to position ourselves to hear from the Lord, that we cultivate that attitude of praise and thanksgiving, of worshiping in spirit and in truth. That's the context in which the Lord spoke to the early church and called out Paul and Barnabas. In Acts chapter 13, verse 2, it says, And while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. It was while they were just worshiping the Lord, praising Him, just ministering Him, just kind of marinating in the presence of God. Christian, I hope that you do that. I hope that you do that in your private life and in our corporate life together. That you just kind of marinate in God's presence. You just seek to rest there and just stay in an attitude of praise and worship. Because the Lord spoke to Samuel as he had that attitude. He spoke to the early church when they were in that attitude. And church, he'll speak to you and I in that context, in that attitude of heart. Did you know that that's why here at Reality Carpinteria, we do the bulk of the worship after the message? Did you know that's why we do that? Because we believe that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to your individual hearts after you've heard the message. And we believe that so often, and mercifully and wonderfully, that happens in the context of worship and praise. And so that's why we don't just preach the word and say, okay, amen, see you later. Because I believe what happens is you walk out that back door and the Spirit of God is wanting to minister the word of God that was just preached to your heart in a deep way and really deal with stuff and deal with issues and just, and just bless you and speak to you. But when you just run out there and grab a donut and coffee and you hop in your car and, hey, let's go check the surf, it's just kind of, it's just kind of, you lose it. But when we lock you in here for half an hour or more, after the message and we establish that atmosphere in that context of praise and worship and you engage in it, can anybody testify that the Lord speaks to you during that time? Amen. That's why I get so disappointed when I see people go, oh, it's over after the message and and bail out. You're just selling yourself short. And, and, And if you want to hear from God, you've got to position yourself to be in this attitude of rejoicing in his character, praising his name. The third way that we need to position ourselves if we want to hear from the Lord is we need to resolve to obey his voice. We need to have a resolve that we are going to obey when he speaks. We see this in the life of Samuel. It says in verse 1 here that the word of the Lord was rare in those days and visions were infrequent. And yet Samuel heard from the Lord. What does that tell us? That tells us that he was set apart from the general population. That there was something not only distinct but different about his life. We can assume that he was set apart for God's purposes, walking in obedience to the Lord. That he was a servant. Look what it says in in verse 10. Then the Lord came, stood, and called, as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for thy servant is listening. So Samuel was set apart, and he was a servant. Church, you've got to position yourselves in that place if you want to hear from the Lord. You've got to already decide in your heart that if the Lord speaks to me, I'm going to obey. Because otherwise, why would the Lord speak to you? Just to hear you say, no? What an insult. Why should we expect the Lord to speak to us if the attitude of our heart is, I'm not going to obey? If it's difficult or outside what I want to do or if it's too much or if it's outside my comfort zone or if it doesn't line up with what I'm going to do, I don't have to do that. Then don't expect to hear from God. Don't expect it. Perhaps there's an area in your life that you've been disobedient in. 
And yet you're asking the Lord about other things. And you're saying, Lord, speak to me, speak to me, speak to me. I believe that there is times that the Lord says, I have spoke to you, but you've done nothing with it. I've already told you what to do and you aren't obeying, so why are you asking me for more? Don't ask the Lord for more until you've been faithful with what you already have. That's a wonderful principle. And if we want to hear from God, I believe that we've got to set ourselves apart, have that attitude of a servant. Lord, you're my master. You're my maker. I've been bought with a price. I'm not my own. You're my redeemer. Tell me what to do. Speak, Lord, because your servant is listening. And I think the Lord is faithful to speak. We've also got to remember that sometimes in the Old Testament, when the Lord was quiet, was silent to Israel, it was in judgments. They hadn't obeyed the voice of the Lord, and so there was a period of silence from the Lord. And so it's good in our own lives when we feel like there's some sort of blockage, we're not hearing, there's something not right, to begin to take stock of our lives. I have to do this all the time. You know, I need to hear from the Lord every single day. And I want to hear from the Lord for my family, for my kids, for my wife, for my church. I want to hear from the Lord before I stand before you guys in this pulpit. I want to hear from God. I don't want to stand up here and blow hot air. I don't want to play games. I want to hear from the living God for you guys. And so that means that every week of my life, I'm having to take stock. Lord, I want to hear from you. I'm having a hard time. Is there an area where I'm being disobedient? Lord, search my heart and show me that I could repent, that intimacy could be restored, that my ears might be tuned to hear from you, Lord. But I believe we position ourselves to hear his voice when we're servants and we're set apart. And by the way, sometimes obedience is strenuous. I mean, sometimes the Lord calls us to gnarly things. You understand that? The commandments of the Lord are not burdensome, it says in 1 John chapter 5. But sometimes they're strenuous. I mean, big things that the Lord would be asking us to do. I mean, he asked Abraham to sacrifice his son. In Genesis chapter 22, this is the son that Abraham waited 25 years for. This was a son about which God said, I will establish a great nation and the Messiah will come through him. And then when the Lord said, Abraham, take him up on the mountain and sacrifice him, man, that was strenuous. But Abraham had been taught obedience in his time of waiting on the Lord for 25 years. And so when the Lord said, go sacrifice him, Abraham said, and went early in the morning. I mean, he didn't wait till afternoon. He didn't him or ha or shuffle his feet. Abraham got up early in the morning. He said, son, come on. Son that I love so much, come on, carry this wood up this hill. Let's go. And we know the rest of the story. The Lord is only testing him. The Lord provided for himself a sacrifice that day. But the Lord called him to that act of obedience. Now, what was the reward? Well, the Lord made of his descendants, they made him more numerous than the stars of the heavens. He made of him many nations came from Father Abraham, who once had no children. You see, God always blesses obedience. It might not always make sense to you, but obey the Lord. He's always right, and he always blesses it. What about Joseph? Remember Joseph? Man, Joseph had a difficult life because of his mean old brothers. And then there he is ministering in Potiphar's house. And Potiphar's wife comes on to him and says, come on, Joseph, come sleep with me. And Joseph says, I can't sin against my boss or the Lord. I'm out of here. And he runs. And what did that get him? Prison. That's what he got out of obeying the Lord. He got prison. But what did the Lord do? How did the Lord redeem it? Well, read the rest of the story. The Lord made him the CEO of all of Egypt. And that was wrought because of his obedience. That was brought through his obedience. If Joseph had gone ahead and slept with Potiphar's wife, he never would have been in the place the Lord wanted him to be in. He would have missed God's plan for his life in that compromise. But he fled and he obeyed the Lord even when it was strenuous and difficult. And hard. What about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Nebuchadnezzar said in Daniel chapter 3, when you hear the music, boys, you little Hebrew boys, you will bow down and worship the golden image that I've made. And they said, "Uh uh-uh. They said, Nebuchadnezzar, we only worship one God, and you're not him. And we will not bow down to this false God. And he said, if you don't bow down to this false God, I'm going to throw you in the furnace. 
And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, you go ahead and throw us in the furnace. Our God is able to save us from even your fiery furnace. But even if the Lord doesn't save us from it, we're not going to worship you or your false god. It was hard to obey because Nebuchadnezzar said, well, then heat up the furnace seven times hotter than normal. So hot that when the guards threw the boys in, they themselves were burnt up. And there's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego there in the fire. And Nebuchadnezzar is watching his work. And he sees there three figures. No, he sees four figures there in the fire. And Nebuchadnezzar turns to his right-hand man. He says, didn't we throw three boys in the fire? And he says, that's right, three, Nebi. And Nebi says, then why do I see four and one of them is the Son of God? When they were thrown into the fire because of their obedience, Jesus Christ was with them in the midst of it. Listen to me. It may be difficult to obey. It may yield tough circumstances in the here and now, but the Lord is faithful. He will be with you and He always blesses obedience. What happened that day? They came out of the fiery furnace and we're told very clearly in Daniel chapter 3 that their clothes didn't even smell like smoke and not a hair on their body was burned. But there was one difference than when they went in. When they went in, the Bible is very careful to tell us several times that they were tied up, they were bound, they were in ropes. But when they came out, they were loosed. Only thing that got burned in the fire was that which had them bound. They came out having seen Jesus and set free by Him through the trial. The Lord always rewards obedience. He always does. And so Samuel was set apart. He declared himself to be a servant of God and he heard the voice of God. Point number four, Samuel was quiet and still. We see in verses two and three that he wasn't quite asleep yet, but he was quiet and still and he was right outside the Holy of Holies. In my own personal life, I realize that when I'm in that place of waiting to hear from the Lord and I've asked him some stuff, that that waiting requires tremendous concentration, attentiveness, and patience. Tremendous concentration, attentiveness, and patience. And you know, we're not really conditioned by this current world system to be attentive for very long, are we? Or to have to concentrate for very long, or to be patient. If you watch the media today, there's lots of messages and they're moving very fastly. This world system is training us to get tons of information and very quickly and it's always moving and it's very visual. Guess what? Prayer isn't. And listening to the Lord is not. It requires some concentration. And the Lord deserves it. And some attentiveness. And some patience. And he was quiet and still before the Lord. And again, Psalms 46, verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Or in another translation, be silent and know that I am God. Or in another translation, cease striving and know that I am God. Remember Mary, Martha and Mary, Luke chapter 10. Jesus was in their house having a meal and Martha was doing all sorts of work. She was doing all sorts of stuff for the Lord and she began to complain to the Lord. And she said, Lord, man, tell Mary to help me. I'm doing all this work and she's not even helping. Lord, tell her. First of all, don't boss around the Lord. It's lesson number one. And the Lord said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. Only a few things are necessary, really only one. And Mary has chosen the good part, that which shall not be taken from her. Jesus said, there's only one thing that's necessary. What Mary is doing is a good part and it has eternal value, won't be taken from her. What was she doing? She was just seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word. That's all she was doing. There's all sorts of business going on around her, but she was just seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word. Psalm 23 verse 2 says, He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. The Lord is wanting to lead you into a quiet place where he can speak to you. But you see, you've got to make the time. You've got to make the effort. Don't expect God to send you a text message. Don't expect Him to just grab you on the run. I mean, there might be times where God will do that. But the clear leading of Scripture is be still. Know that He is God. Lay down in the green pastures and beside still water. And Samuel is quiet before the Lord. And it takes some attentiveness, some concentration, 
and it takes some overturning in our hearts of distractions. Remember when Jesus went up on the Temple Mount and he threw over the tables and the chairs? You remember that? We talked about him overturning stuff in our hearts. One of the things that we mentioned was distraction. Sometimes our, our hearts are wrapped around so many other things. They're into so much stuff and there's so much going on. And I know what it's like to have pressure in life. I, I really honestly do. I know what it's like to have demands and to have deadlines and to have concerns and to have more phone calls that you know to deal with, more problems and you know how to handle. I know what that's like. And sometimes I sit down and I say, Lord, I need to hear from you. And my mind is racing 10,000 miles an hour. It's hard, but I don't give up. I don't quit. I don't give in. I just let the Lord lead me into green pastures and still waters and just say, Lord, quiet, please quiet my spirit and my heart and my mind and tune my ears to hear from you. Sometimes, guys, I'll tell you the truth, it takes a while. It takes me a while to position myself to be in that place of quietness, of having a singular, undistracted heart where I can just focus on and hear from and discern the voice of the Lord. And if I feel that I'm not hearing from the Lord on a particular issue, what do I do? I listen harder. And what are some ways that I listen harder? Well, sometimes we mistake a non-answer or what seems to be a non-answer for what was really the Lord saying, wait. A lot of times the Lord says, wait. And you need to know in your spiritual life that a, a yellow light does not mean go. It does not mean go ahead. I know when you're driving down Carp Ave and the light turns yellow, it means speed up. But in the spiritual realm, when the Lord is saying, wait, it means slow down and stop and wait on the Lord. Wait for clarity. Our God is not a God of confusion. He's able to make things very clear. And if things aren't clear, listen to me. I love you. Please listen to me. Don't make a decision within your lack of clarity. Don't make a decision. Don't make a significant move in your life without that clarity from the Lord. I mean, just wait on the Lord. He's outside of time and space. He's your heavenly Father. He's got it in control. Don't birth an Ishmael. Don't freak out. Don't flip out. Don't take the situation in your own hands and go, well, I've got to do it now. I can't wait, Lord. I'm not clear, but here I go. The Lord's able to make things clear. And we often think about that story of Peter stepping out of the boat. And we're like, well, you just got to be gnarly and in faith just step out of the boat and you don't know what's going on. That was gnarly and there was a lot of wind and waves. But remember, the Lord said to him very clearly, then come, Peter. He had the clear command to go. And then he exercised faith. Clarity from the Lord is not a lack of faith. It is walking in faith. And you wait and listen to the Lord until he gives you clarity on a subject. And then you move ahead and not before and so sometimes when we think we're not hearing, it's, we just mistook it, and really it was a wait. Another thing that helps me to hear when I'm stuck is fasting. And we'll talk about fasting in the coming weeks. It's incredible spiritual practice, and it's very, very valuable. And it really tunes us in to the spiritual realm and to hearing from the Lord. And there's tremendous value in fasting. And in all the pivotal junctures of my life, my hearing from the Lord has been coupled with or in tandem with fasting and seeking Him in that way. And we'll talk about that in the weeks to come. Uh, the other thing is the word. Sometimes I'm not hearing from the Lord. I don't feel a strong impression. I'll just start to search the word. And he's able to speak to us very clearly in the word. It's like you'll be reading through and a scripture will just jump out and just grab onto your forehead and just cling there. You ever had, can anybody testify? You ever had that happen? And you just know that's the Lord. You're reading along. What? And it's just the spirit of the living God at that very moment just speaking his word directly to your heart prophetically and powerfully. It's awesome. The other thing that I do when I feel like I'm stuck and I'm not hearing is I seek counsel. There's key people in my life, a few of them, who, who have a history in my life of, of helping me to hear from the Lord or hearing from the Lord for me. And so when I'm stuck, I'll just go to them and, and just start to talk or pray with them. And sometimes it helps when you have that trusted person. And I hope you have that person in your life. If you don't, you need to ask the Lord for that person. Find them. Someone that's trusted and, and you can say, you know what, I'm asking the Lord this and I'm wondering about this and I'm curious and I'm concerned about this. And oftentimes the Lord will give them a prophetic word. And they'll just speak it forth and you just go, oh, praise the Lord, yeah, that's awesome. Or they'll just pray with you and agree in prayer. Or just by dialoguing, God's will is revealed as the Spirit works through your spiritual dialogue, speaking to one another in hymns and psalms and spiritual songs, as we're told in Ephesians. And the last point, and we're finished, 
If you're having trouble hearing from the Lord, you need to spend more time drawing near to him. I want you to see where Samuel was camped out in verse 3. It says that he was right outside where the ark of God was. That means a holy of holies. That means where the presence of God was. That means, listen, Samuel could have been anywhere on the temple mount. He could have been in the outer court. He could have been anywhere. But when he decided to lay down and be still, he was right outside the holy of holies. Right outside the veil. Wasn't the New Testament yet? The veil's not torn in two. He couldn't go into the very presence of God, but he got just as close as he could to the presence of God, and that's where he camped out. And he just stayed there in nearness to the Lord. And so sometimes we just really got to cultivate communion with him. I mean, just practice drawing near. Remember, it says in Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore draw near with confidence. And so sometimes it's just that, that thing of just camping out. Lord, I, I'm not going anywhere. I want to draw nearer and nearer to you. I'm just going to bless you and praise you and listen and just marinate. But you see, your life is busy like mine. That means you need to schedule these things. This can't happen haphazardly. I mean, you've really got to schedule time with the Lord, time to listen to the Lord. And you've got to position yourself with childlike trust, passionate worship, setting yourself apart, deciding in your heart you're going to obey, being quiet and still before the Lord, quieting the distractions, drawing near and remaining there. We've got to do those things because I believe this. I believe that God will manifest himself in direct proportion to our passion for him. You hear that? I don't think you heard that. I believe that God will manifest himself in direct proportion to our passion for him. That is to say, if you're passionate for the Lord and you're like little Sammy here, just camped outside the Holy of Holies, just quiet, ministering to the Lord, waiting on him, the Lord is going to manifest himself. You're going to see the Lord. You're going to hear the Lord. If you're not passionate about the Lord, don't expect to hear from him. Why would he? Why would you? But if you position yourself in this place, in this lifestyle, church, God's going to speak to you. He's going to speak to us. He's going to lead us. Amen? Thank you, Lord, for this word today. I just ask that, Lord, as we um, do homework this week of practicing listening to you, of positioning ourselves to hear from you, as this is our homework, that you would bless it, that you'd help us in all these areas, Lord. And uh, Lord, I know that sometimes you're more willing to speak than we are even to hear. But I pray that you just stir such an excitement in our hearts about hearing from you. And Lord, I would pray for each one of us here that you would tune our ears to hear. Tune our spirits to know when you speak. Help us to discern your voice and to be obedient. Teach us about this area of prayer. We're sorry, Lord, for the one-sided conversations. We're sorry for all the times we've bombarded you with all of our stuff and not stopped to say, but what do you want to say, Lord? And what would you have me do? And I'll wait and I'll be attentive. Teach us these things, Lord.